And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6 today. We actually won't spend a whole lot of time in Matthew 6, um, but we're going to start there. Uh, i got several verses to look at today and uh, kind of intro into our February uh, series and looking forward to it. February is a great month. I'm not sure if you know this, but some of the greatest of all Americans were born in February. Uh, but nonetheless, um, it's, it's a good month. I love February. It's short. Uh, it's cold, but it's short. And uh, we're going to get some, you know, some moments of springtime here this week. It's going to hit 60 degrees this week. And then next week it's going to be cold. But, uh, but it's all right. We get a little, little uh, preview of what's to come. And then take us back down a little bit, beat us up a little bit, and then we'll go back up again after that. But it's a short month, so it's fine. It's also uh, Valentine's Day, which is a made-up holiday. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's good. Uh, President's Day, there's, there's a couple things going on in February. It's a short month, but full month at the same time. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad, I'm glad we're here. We're already a month into the year, hard to believe. Uh, 2024 is almost done. And so uh, it'll move quick, so let's stick with it and, uh, and work through it. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 6, part, uh, we're going to look in verse 13, uh, which is part of the, uh, the, the model prayer uh, that we're given here throughout the preaching of Christ. And in verse 13 it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to look at that first half of the verse today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we're praying and we're looking through praying it forward throughout the year, um, one of the most important things that we should be praying for on a regular basis is the deliverance from evil. Um, We are under attack consistently. Every single day, every single second, a Christian is under attack by Satan to sin. Uh, something that will draw them away from Christ, away from fellowship with Christ, away from um, the full, fullness of the protection of Christ that we looked at in 1 John many, many months ago. Um, and and this, Satan tries to do everything he can to bring us down. And so we are in this war, as the Bible puts it, spiritual warfare, where the attack is constantly on us uh, to pull us away from God, to fall into sin, to feel defeated by sin, um, to, to fall to temptation and to then be overcome by the consequences of the actions that we commit. Um, and so the prayer of deliverance, the prayer of uh, deliver us from evil is such an important prayer in our lives. So important as a matter of fact that God included it in the model prayer. He says, when you pray, you should be praying for deliverance. Why? Because we need it. Because we're under constant attack. So this week, or this month, we're going to be looking at spiritual warfare. But today I want us to look at this prayer, Deliver Us From Evil. And uh, and we're going to look at some thoughts on it today that hopefully will help launch us into the rest of the month as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for deliverance. Thank you that you allow, um, Lord, us to, to be victorious in our daily life. Uh, that, Lord, we can live a life that pleases you. But, Lord, we also know that we are under attack, and we know that we need help. So, Lord, today I pray that as we look at your word, it will encourage us and help us and push us towards that, uh, that uh, forward movement uh, to, to uh, seek your help for deliverance. So, Lord, help us to understand your word today. Help me to present your word clearly and correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we see here in, this, in the model prayer that, that Christ gives us, uh, he's preaching in Matthew chapter 6, and, uh, and included in this prayer is the prayer for deliverance. Um, it's specifically a petition for deliverance from temptation, from sin, and from the consequences that would be the result of the sin. So it's not that when we sin, we can pray, Lord, please don't, don't, let, me, uh, um, don't let me encounter the consequences of it. It's, Lord, help me not to sin so that I don't have to have the consequences. Now, growing up in my household, spankings were the mode of discipline, for the most part, especially in the early, early years. And, uh, and so if I did something that I knew was, was going to get me a spanking, do you think I just said, you're right, Dad, um, I deserve this, let's get it over with? No, 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 not at all. As a matter of fact, I did the exact opposite. I said, please, Dad, please, 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 please. I learned my lesson. You don't have to do this. I promise. I understand. I'll never do it again. Um, which was not true, uh, but, but that was my, my plea to my dad, right? Don't, uh, don't let me suffer the consequence of my action. Well, that doesn't work. Con- uh, actions have consequences. Good actions have good consequences. Bad actions have bad consequences. And the Lord tells us that sin was going to be punished. Um, now, the ultimate punishment is, is, is forgiven if you're saved. The ultimate punishment of hell, eternal separation from God, that can be avoided uh, with the salvation from the Lord. But that does not mean that when we sin, there is no consequence. Uh, and, and if you've lived anywhere past three years old, you're under the full understanding of this, that when I sin, there is a consequence. Uh, at some point, it may not be immediate, it may be down the road, but there is a consequence, and we've now, I think, are old enough to understand and mature enough to understand, yes, that is true. So the prayer here to deliver us from evil is the prayer to be kept out from uh, underneath the weights of sin, um, to the, the defeat of sin, so to say. In verse 13, it says, lead us not into temptation. We looked at this um, earlier on in the year, but deliver us from evil. So we're looking for the deliverance here, the, uh, the victory here that is in here. But in order for us to find that victory, we need to understand three things. First of all, we need to understand there is a war. There is a war. There, we have to know and comprehend. I, listen, if you've been in church, you've heard it, so you know it. But, but we've got to comprehend that we are in a battle on a daily basis. Satan does not take vacation, just as God does not take vacation. Satan is a, a nemesis, uh, an enemy, that is just nonstop doing everything he can to get you to fall. And if you don't understand that we are in a war, because listen, it's not a, it's not a fight, it's a war, right? You've been in a fight. Uh, I have never punched someone, neither have I ever been punched in like a, other than in the arm or in the leg, you know, by a so-called friend. Um, But uh, I've never been in a fist fight before. I got hit really hard in the face. Um, I was taking some classes uh, and, uh, and, and I was going up against, I was a, at the time, I think a white belt, which is the one they give you when you walk in the door. Um, and I was going up against a brown belt, which is the one that they, uh, that you get before you're a black belt. Okay. So you understand the 
the level here is a little different. And we were sparring, and, uh, and so I had sparred many times before uh, with people, and, you know, it's just kind of, you know, little kicks and hits, nothing too major. Well, this guy spun around with the full weight of his body, hit me with the back of his hand right across the face. And I'm telling you, I was uh, dazed and confused. I had no idea what just happened. I'm sitting there, you know, going, whoa, what was that? Uh, trying to figure out, and he's kind of laughing because he was one of those so-called friends. Um, and, uh, and so he was laughing, and he thought it was funny, and I'm sitting there going, I, I don't know that I can see straight right now. Um, you know, but it wasn't a fight. It was just it was within the, the level of competition that we were doing. So I've never been in an actual fist fight before in my life, and my goal is to get through life without being in an actual fist fight. That's my ultimate goal. Um, but... Nonetheless, uh, a fight with a friend on, on the playground or uh, you know, out playing a game and you get mad because they tagged you too hard or they did this or they cheated or whatever it is, you get in this little scuffle, that's, that's what I would call a fight. Um, but that's not what we're in with Satan. You know, uh, we used to joke around uh, as kids, you know, oh, you want to fight? All right, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, uh, whatever it is. Or you got the guy that says, hold me back, hold me back, hold me back. And the guy's like, I'm not holding you back. Go ahead, go, go get him. No, no, hold me back, hold me back. All right, that's not what Satan does. Satan's in an all-out war. And he is going to come after you as hard as he can, constantly, day in and day out. We are in a war, and we got to understand that. With wars come enemies. And in this war we have enemies. Satan is the chief of those. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is an enemy. And he is full-blown into this war. He is seeking to devour you. John 10.10 talks about the thief that came to steal and to kill and to destroy the battle that we're in is not a little hissy fit. It's not two kids mad about something. It is uh, the, one of the most powerful creatures in Satan attacking you, and he wants to destroy you. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We've we got to be careful because we cannot stand against Satan alone. On my strength and in my power and in my wit and in my ability, I cannot stand against Satan. He is too powerful. And that brings up that second enemy in this war. The devil is, is, is the key enemy in this war, but the second one is ourselves. We have this issue with ourselves that, that keeps us fighting. Like I just mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, uh, the guy that thinks he stands better be careful because he's going to fall. Pride takes over, and, and it ruins things. Psalm 19.3 says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Pride. Pride is the downfall of so many Christians. I can find you a Christian who has run away from God, who has backslidden, uh, living a life of sin, and I would say 99% of the time, you can find pride to be the focal point of their downfall. Uh, pride is one of those things that it's, um, it's not invisible. Everybody sees it. Um, but it's one of those things that we have a hard time seeing in ourselves. Everybody else sees it, but we struggle to see it within ourselves. And so pride creeps in and begins to get us putting ourselves up on a pedestal of some sort. And, and the Bible tells us over and over and over again, pride's going to trip you up. 
You're going to fall if you have pride in your life. And so we have this enemy within ourselves of this pride. Psalm 73, 6, Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. It holds you down. Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride shall bring him low. Pride always makes you fall. You will not overcome it on your own. You will not be able to be prideful and still what God wants you to be. It does not work. So yes, there's a lion seeking about whom we may devour, but there's also our self that we got to battle with. Naturally, we're all prideful. There are self-deprecating people, but they're still prideful. At the end of the day, uh, every single one of us thinks that we are better than we are treated. We think we deserve more than what we get. We feel like we're better at work, or we feel like we're better at the marriage, or we feel like we're better at uh, uh, ministry, or we feel like we're better at whatever it may be, and we get in this prideful mindset and heart that is God tells us is going to bring us low. But not only is pride something we battle with, there's also this thing called the old man. Uh, we are born with this natural um, heart, this natural mindset, um, and it's what God refers to as the old man. Before you're saved, uh, it's what runs your life. And the old man sins. But when we're saved, we're given the new man. And the new man is the, the Holy Spirit. It is, it is a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. It is a life that is led through Scripture. And it is, uh, it is not of the natural part. It is of the, it's new. It's, 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 it's renewed. It's something that is fresh and gives you a new perspective, a new heart, a new mind. Uh, go with me, if you will, to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. We're going to look at two more passages here today. We'll spend a little bit of time here in Ephesians, and then we're going to look at another passage to close out the day. But Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and let's start in verse number 22. We're going to read several verses, so stick with me here. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 22. Uh, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So that's what we're talking about, right? That's what you're born with. That's what's natural. Uh, it says, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, uh, for we are members of one another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Okay, so we're looking here in this passage and we see that we're supposed to put off. That means take off. That means get rid of things concerning the old man. Now, the, the old man is still present. And that, the Bible teaches us that the old man and the new man, they're constantly battling. With one another it's a fight that goes on and we want the new man to win all right and so we we seek God's help for that we're going to get into all that but it says here to put off so this is a choosing this is a decision that you got to make when we get saved we have given our life to Christ we have put dependence on God to save us and God saves us and he gives us the Holy Spirit 
which by the way is different than being filled with the Spirit, and that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. We read about that in different places, especially in the New Testament, and we see this and we go, oh, well, I'm saved and I have the Spirit, so I'm filled with the Spirit. No, it's two different things. You need the filling of the Spirit for sure. But you have the Holy Spirit within you when you're saved. And I don't mean to cause confusion by that, but it is a whole other sermon. All right, But when we get saved now, we have the new man. And the Bible says in verse 22 to put off the old man concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And in verse 24, it says, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, so as we're battling with ourself and the pride that we have, we have to, in order to find victory, we've got to put away the things. It's like taking something and putting it in the attic. If you're like me, and you put something in the attic, you're never pulling it out again. It goes up there, and you forget it exists. It's gone, uh, right, until you move, and you start going through stuff, and you're like, oh. And one of you says, we should just throw this stuff away. We haven't seen it since we put it up here. And the other person says, no, we just might need it down the road. And so you move it to the new house, you put it in the attic, and you never see it again. All right, so the old man is the stuff we're supposed to throw in the attic. We've got to put it off. Get rid of it. Um, I don't know how you do it in your house. We have tubs in our garage uh, of, of seasonal clothes. And so once the cold weather is gone, we put all the cold weather clothes in a tub and we pull out all the warm weather clothes. We stick the cold weather clothes in the garage until we need it again. Uh, and, we, and we put the warm weather clothes in the house and then we vice versa, all that kind of stuff. All right, so now you're not supposed to pull the old man back out, but the idea is here is you're taking it off. You are removing it from you. And you're putting on a mindset and a heart of this new man, which was created in righteousness and true holiness. Do you want to do right? Do you want to obey God? You've got to have the new man running your life. You've got to have the renewed spirit of what God gave you with salvation to run your life versus the old man, which is natural, which is prideful, which is sinful, which is wicked, and you've got to switch these things out. And it says there in verse number 27, neither give place to the devil. Now listen, the devil is a, is a big part of that old man. Christians have this problem <laughs> with trying to hold on to things they like that they know they're not supposed to have, but they feel like they can manage it. For me, growing up, music was a big, uh, was a big issue in my life. Uh, I grew up just south of Nashville, and I liked Nashville music. And, uh, and I listened to it all through college, uh, and even early on in marriage as well. And, and when I became a pastor, um, you know, we had the conversation, like, we just can't do this. And my philosophy before that was, um, listen, there's good songs and there's bad songs. Or there's songs that aren't, there's nothing wicked about the song, so it's fine. I think there's love songs that are fine. I don't think God hates love songs. Um, you know, I think, I think that's where you got to be wise. But anyways, uh, where that was the excuse that I was making was that song itself's not wrong. Well, back then, this is a long time ago, it was the radio. And you couldn't control what song came on next. And, uh, and so you just listen to the bad songs along with the good songs until, uh, you know, just because. Okay, so my argument was I can manage it. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't impact me. I, I'm not going to go out and do the things that that one song talked about doing, um, you know, and whatever it may be. Well, listen, guess what? Music impacts your life. It does, and if you disagree with me, you're wrong. And usually, like I say, you can disagree with me if you want to. No, you're wrong in this situation. Music impacts 
people's moods uh, and their mindsets. Uh, it, it has done it all throughout history. We see it in the Bible. So, uh, so for me, music was an issue, something that I had to put off. I, couldn't, I could not have that in my life because it would stir up. And there were still times where even Christian music that sounded similar to the non-Christian music I used to live uh, with would put me in a mindset that brought me back to that versus where I needed to be. So I had to put it off. So it's putting off things that are of the old man, things that are rooted in, uh, in, in wickedness, things that are rooted in sin, and put on the things that are rooted in righteousness and true holiness. What is true holiness? God is true holiness. Is it rooted in God? Does it, does it produce uh, God things? It's putting on the things of Christ, putting off the things of myself, because I am my enemy in this spiritual battle. God is the one thing that is not my enemy in this spiritual battle. The things of God and God himself, that's the good side. That's the side I need to be on. The things of myself and the things of Satan are the things that are battling against that. i got to put those things off and put these things on to help me in this spiritual battle that I'm in. Now flip over to Galatians chapter 5, just a couple pages backwards. Galatians chapter 5. And look what what this passage says about this idea of battling flesh and old man, new man, that kind of thing. Verse number 16, Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. All right. So we've got the the flesh, the man, the, the old man, and the Spirit, the new man. And it says here in this passage in Galatians that they are, they are against each other. They're contrary. And so if you've got them both, then you cannot do what you should do. It says there in verse number 17 that you cannot do the things that you would. The idea here is, is that you cannot, do, you cannot do the things of the Spirit if they're both here. You can't mix them. They're contrary to each other. And, and, and so, so in order for you to do the things that you would, the things that you should, you need to be able to walk in the Spirit, verse 16, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it tells us here, I'm battling the old man and the new man. Myself is battling in the spiritual warfare against me. I'm fighting against myself. And if I want to overcome, and if I want to have victory, when I'm praying, Lord, deliver me from evil... I'm saying, Lord, deliver me from myself. And I have to walk in the Spirit instead of walking in myself. And if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm fulfilling the Spirit. If you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you are not walking in the Spirit. If you think, no, I'm doing good, but you're still walking in the flesh, you're still fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you can know for certain you're not walking in the Spirit. All right, so, so let's look at point number two. Point number one is understand there is a war. Point number two, understand if you are winning or losing the war. Now, I don't know about you, but I like clear cuts. I like to be able to know for certain, right? 
And, uh, and I like to know if I'm winning or losing. There's sometimes when you're winning and you feel like you're losing, and sometimes you're losing and you feel like you're winning. I like to know it. Am I winning or am I losing? Um, I'm trying to think. There's a game, um, a game that I used to play uh, and, and just last night started playing again with friends on, on online stuff. And uh, it's a stupid game, and nonetheless, here we are. And my wife says, you need to come back. All our friends are doing this. we got a bunch of friends in it. And they're like, you need to come back and start doing this again. I pulled it up again last night. And when I did, I was like, I don't recognize this game. Like, it's different than the last. I mean, it's been like three years since I've played it. A lot has changed. And I'm sitting there just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so then I'm doing stuff within the game that I have no clue what's happening. <laughs> you ever been here? Uh, I'm just doing stuff and saying, I hope it works. Am I winning or am I losing? I don't know. Is it fun? I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'm trying to figure that out too. All right, I want to know, am I winning or am I losing? Well, we can know this. Look, we're going to stay in Galatians for the rest of the way. I'll look at some other verses, but we'll, we'll stay right here. Uh, in Galatians, look in verse 22. Now, let's start with winning the war. All right, I like, I like to start with the good news. So if I'm winning the war, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. The Bible says that if you are winning, there is a result. You're going to see something come from it. If I'm walking in the Spirit... The result of that is what we read here in verse 22 and 23, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And so when we have these things coming through our lives, we see that we are walking in the Spirit, and we are winning at the moment in this battle that is going on on a daily, second-by-second moment in our lives. Now, verse 24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, with the affections and lusts. So he says here that uh, to win, we must crucify the flesh. Well, what does crucify mean? I think we know this. It means kill it. In order for Christ to gain victory over sin, what did he do? He gave himself on the cross and he died. And the Bible says that in order for us to have victory over the sin in our life, we have to crucify the flesh, the old man. We've got to kill it. We can't allow it to live. Think about a weed. If you, if you cut a weed, it grows back. And if all you do is trim it down every time, it's just going to keep coming back. And that's what sin does. If we don't kill it, it's just going to keep coming back. It's just going to keep coming back. I've told the story before of when I worked in Tennessee and I was responsible for um, uh, taking care of the ball fields and we would kill the, the lines that we we're going to have for the ball fields um, with either diesel fuel or weed killer. We'd spray it down along the lines and kill the grass and then we'd paint, paint the area too. But that way we didn't have to use as much paint if, the, if it was dead. Everybody could see it. And there was the one year where I forgot that I was supposed to uh, put some water into the weed killer mix. And, uh, and so what it's supposed to be like, you know, a little bit to a gallon, I used the entire jug with no water. And the grass to this day is still dead. I, it is, I promise. Still dead from where I sprayed that stuff. All right, it worked. Killed it. Gone. Now, I could argue I saved them some money by doing that long term. 
They didn't feel that way at the moment. But uh, nonetheless, it killed it. It's gone. It ain't coming back. That's what we're supposed to do to the flesh. We're supposed to crucify it, to kill it, to, 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 to get rid of it completely. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Uh, I, I, when Christ was crucified, he died for my sins. When I got saved, I should now be crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ in the fact that he was crucified for me, and he took my place. That's a wonderful thing. But guess what? I still live. And I should be living in Christ because he lives in me and not living in the flesh. Uh, Galatians 5.24 says that, that Christ, uh, uh, here, those that are with Christ, those that are Christ, have crucified the flesh. Colossians 2.13 and 14 says, And you being dead in your sins, Christ quickened together with him, made alive with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, that's the flesh and the spirit, contrary uh, to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Listen, Christ paid for it when he was nailed on the cross. Whatever sin that you're committing, Christ has given a way of victory to it. Now, he's given eternal victory, right? The, the, what we talked about earlier with that, that the worst of all consequences, when we get saved... Uh, Christ has paid for our sins, and, and the Bible says that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because he was crucified on the cross. Okay, so now I'm supposed to crucify my flesh. The things that, that are natural, the things that are wicked, the pride, the arrogance, um, the, uh, uh, the, the wrongdoing, anything that is sin, I'm supposed to crucify it. I'm supposed to kill it. I'm not supposed to just cut it down. I'm supposed to pour that whole jug of weed killer on it and, and knock it out forever. I got to crucify it. I got to kill it. You know, so many people who say, man, you know, I just I struggle with this sin. I just can't seem to gain victory over it. They don't do what is necessary. They don't kill it. They might cut it out. They might add something in their life that will help, help eliminate part portions of it, but they don't completely get rid of it. You know, growing up with, again, in youth work, you talk about this a lot with friends, where you get someone who's just, man, I just struggle with this, I struggle with this, and all their friends do it, and they don't care about it, and they're going to keep doing it. I'm just, man, I just, you know, I, I'm able to stop for a while, but then I just, I don't know, I don't know why, I just keep coming back to it. Well, if all your friends are doing it, and you're hanging out with those friends, you're probably going to start doing it again, too, at some point in time. So what do you got to do? You got to cut out the friends. You got to remove yourself from the situation. You've got to kill the flesh. Not kill your friends. I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Uh, okay? But separate away. You got to kill that, that obstacle, that temptation. You got to say, you know what? I just can't be around these people anymore. I know adults who have dealt with that at work. There's a situation at work that's just going to keep on, keep on, keep on. They're not going to be able to get away from it as long as they work there. And they pray about it and they seek the Lord's wisdom on it. And God says, you've got to get away from that place. And so they leave work. I know people who've been in churches. And they say, I'll tell you what, man, I just keep dealing with this sin, this sin, this sin. And it's just everybody I talk to, it's just bitterness. I'm telling you what, a church is a place that festers bitterness as, as well as anywhere in the world. And I know people that have had to get, get out of the church. They still needed to go to a church. They needed to get out of that church because it just kept pulling them down in sin. 
You see, the reality is, is, is we cannot sit there and say, well, I'm going to let sin you know, grow over here and I'm going to just try to live with it. It's not going to work. You're going to lose the battle. So if you want to win the battle, you have to kill off, crucify the flesh. And it says there in verse 25, uh, as it said uh, earlier in the passage, but if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We need to be walking in the Spirit. Crucify the flesh and live with the Spirit. And walk in the Spirit. And we'll know that we're walking in the Spirit by the things that our life produces, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Okay, what about losing? How how do I know I'm losing the war? Well, look in verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, uh, revelings, and such like. We see in verse number 19, sensual sins. It starts off with something that has been plaguing society from the earliest of days, uh, these things of adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness. These sensual sins. What does the Bible teach us in Matthew? As Christ is preaching, he says in Matthew 5, 28, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. Today, pornography is so prevalent in society, and it's available at every single turn. There was a day where you had to go purchase it, and today you don't have to. And it's thrown out in front of you consistently and constantly. Listen, that's adultery. We sit there and we think, well, no, I've never done an action that's been wrong in this this area you know what? Have you? And so we look here, we see first of all the, the, the losing the battle. We see these sensual sins, the adultery, the fornication, uncleanness and lasciviousness. Then it goes on and it talks about the physical or sensory sins uh, here in verse number 20. Idolatry, witchcraft. Um, we see hatred in here. We see these ideas of, the, uh, of these things that go into um, just these, these sins of, um, of the senses, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Uh, we run into some different things. We see the spiritual sins and idolatry and the, and the witchcraft, the, 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 the idol worship, the spirits that are, uh, that are being talked about and used and, and, and different things in, in the world. There are these spiritual sins and these, these, these uh, I call them spiteful sins, um, hate, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. We see these, um, these things that are just done out of spite. And it's a sign of losing the war. Now again, I've spent my entire life in church. My entire life has been spent around Christians. And I'm thankful for the churches I've been in. I'm thankful for the pastors that I've sat under. I'm thankful for the ministries that I've been in. There's been so much good in all of these places. But I'm telling you, I've seen in the Christian life, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath, dissension, envy, I've seen it my whole life. I have a hard time uh, relating with some people. I, I, have, I have an ability um, where God has just given me the, the ability to let things roll off my back 
generally speaking. I'm not saying everything, but a lot of things. You know, if someone says something mean about me, I'm like, huh, okay, <laughs> whatever. You go on. Um, you know, there have been times where I've been hurt and, and it's taken a little while to get over it, but generally speaking, I, I can let things just roll off. Uh, but not everybody's that way. I've learned that in, in my years of marriage. And, and it's just like I have a hard time relating because I'm like, I'll just let it go. <laughs> Which then I'm reminded, I just can't just let it go. And, and, and so I struggle with that because in my mind, it's like, well, you just got to let it go. But you look here, and, and, and I've seen I've seen it in my life, I've seen it in other people's lives, where you allow things to build and to build and to build, and we don't, we don't crucify the flesh, and all of a sudden that hatred and that envying, uh, the bitterness, the, the, the wrath, uh, murder, which God talks about as well in, in that same uh, general passage that he talks about, looking on a woman to lust after is adultery in your heart. Well, so is hating someone, hating your brother. Um, that, that heart mindset of hatred is the same as murder. Um, the sin is the same in God's eyes when you look at all these things. And God says, listen, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to produce these things. But if you have not crucified the flesh and you are not walking in the Spirit, you're going to produce these things. And if your life is oozing this stuff, if your life is showing these things that are mentioned in verses 19 through 21, you understand you're losing the battle. And again, this is not a one victory is all victory situation. I can win the battle on Monday at 9 a.m. and I can lose it on Monday at 10 a.m. This is a moment-by-moment moment battle. Satan doesn't look at you in the morning and give you a temptation and you defeat that with God's help and Satan goes, oh, well, I guess I'm done for the day. No. He might keep prodding at that same area. He might come from a different direction. But he's going to keep working and he's going to keep fighting. What are you producing? Are you producing a life that shows and proves that you're walking in the Spirit? Or are you uh, walking and living a life that shows that you're still living in the flesh? Every moment, this battle is going. And it's why it's so important that we pray, Lord, deliver me from evil. Point number three. Point one was understand there's a war. Point two is understand if you're winning or losing the war. And point number three, and lastly this morning, understand deliverance is possible. This is what makes God so great. He doesn't say, man, it's going to be hard for you. Good luck. No, he says, if you pray, I will answer. Now, his answer calls for you to do some things, by the way. Crucify the flesh, put on the whole armor of God. Uh, there's different things that God gives along the way. Trust in the Lord, follow his leading, those sorts of things. That's part of his answer to deliverance from evil. Um, is God capable? I, I would say yes. I think God's capable of anything. Um, is God capable for you to say, Lord, deliver me from evil, and God say, poof, no more sin for you? That's not how God does things. God says, I have given you instruction for how to live, for what to do, for who to trust, so that you can be delivered from evil. Okay, so, so 
Deliverance is possible. How do we get it? Um, 1 Corinthians 10.13. I did not write that one down. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The key phrase in 1 Corinthians 10.13 is that God is faithful. That's the one that matters the most in this passage. God is faithful. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay, when I'm being attacked by Satan, am I strong or am I weak? I'm weak. I cannot overcome Satan on my own. There is nothing in my own power. And if you think you are powerful enough, there's the pride. There's nothing in my power that I can do to defeat Satan on my own. I can't do it. I am weak. And God says, my grace is sufficient. For when you are weak is when you see that I am strong. And what I have is sufficient to give you victory over this temptation and over the sin that's in your life. This verse tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.13, you'll not be tempted in a way that no one else has experienced. You will, not, you will not be the first person to be tempted in that way. Temptation that comes is, is being done all over the world to people all over the world all throughout history. You will also not be tempted in a way where you cannot have victory. God promises that you will not be tempted in a way that you cannot have victory. I found solace in this mindset, in this thought, in this verse, that if I'm being tempted, there is victory to be had. God is not going to allow a temptation in my life that I cannot find victory in. And I've been there before where I've sat there and said, Lord, how many times do I have to pray for forgiveness? (laughs) And how many times do I have to pray that you would protect me from this? And, and I'm just sitting there baffled by God saying, I clearly can't get victory over this. And there was a time in my life where bitterness just ran rampant. I said, well, just let it go, Pastor. Yeah, I know. And, and there was a time where it's just, you know, there's just things that just kind of kept happening and adding up and just allowed it to fester. And then I would say, okay, this is wrong. I can't, I can't have this mindset. Lord, forgive me for the bitterness. Lord, forgive that person for what they did to me. Um, and, and here we go. And then, man, something else. And then there it is again. Okay, well, listen. God says that there's no temptation that you're going to receive that you cannot find victory for. Because God's not going to allow a temptation into your life that he can't bring you out of. And so to know, okay, the sin, if I, if I have a sin that's continuous, that I struggle with con- constantly, where I ask forgiveness and say, Lord, deliver me, and, and I get temporary deliverance, it feels like, and then all of a sudden I'm right back to it. And I'm just sitting there going, I obviously cannot beat this. Yes, you can, with God's help. Because God says there's not going to be a temptation that I'm going to allow in your life that I will not bring you out of. And we're going to look at, throughout the rest of the month, more of how to, how to win these victories. 
and, and how to be faithful and how to do what God wants us to do to, to, to gain this victory, ultimate victory. Because listen, would you call it victory if you keep falling back into it? I don't. If you keep falling back into it, I don't call that victory. Temporary uh, relief maybe, but not victory. Victory, in my opinion, is, is complete and utter uh, destruction of it. Right? And that's what we should be seeking for. Satan's seeking to destroy us. We should be seeking to destroy sin. And so when we're seeking victory and we're praying, Lord, deliver us from evil, that's what we're seeking. We're seeking that delivery, uh, the complete victory over it. And he says here in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that you'll be able to bear it and escape it. So this temptation that comes and, and is allowed into your life, and you're sitting there going, my goodness, I just can't win. God says, listen, I will give you with the temptation a way to bear it and to escape it. Okay, how? The easiest answer is, Lord, deliver us from evil. Now, God's going to respond to that prayer. And we're going to look at that the rest of the month. But that's where it's got to start. He's already told us some of the things, right? We already talked about some of the things. Like crucify the flesh. I got to get rid of it. Anything that is going to tempt me, I got to get rid of it. I got to get rid of it. I got to kill it. I got to remove it from my life. But if I do all these things without seeking God's help, I'm not going to get victory. The ability to bear and escape temptation starts with the prayer, Lord, deliver me from evil. So as we seek to improve our prayer life this year, and we seek to be more faithful in our prayer life this year, don't leave out seeking God's help for deliverance over sin. Because every day, we're going to be tempted. Every day, pride is going to try to creep in. Every day, the lusts of the flesh, the old man is going to be battling. But if you're saved, you've got the new man. So put off the old man and put on the new. Crucify the flesh and live in the spirit. And if you're walking in the spirit, you'll know it because your life is going to be showing it. There's fruits. There's results. And if you're not, you're going to know it because there's fruits and results. So it starts with, Lord... Deliver me from evil. And then it's obeying the response that God gives you. And that's what we'll look at through the rest of the month. Lord, help us. We are yet feeble human beings. We were born sinners. Lord, we're thankful that you came and you gave yourself. You died on the cross and you rose from the dead. And yet, Lord, still we fail you. And Lord, as we fail, I pray that you'd help us to seek you. Lord, before we fail, help us to seek you, to deliver us from evil. Lord, help us to give uh, a place to your spirit. Help us to, to get rid of, to crucify off the flesh. And Lord, to walk in the spirit that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to desire a life that pleases you. And Lord, I pray that our life would truly produce the fruit uh, of walking in you. 
Lord, this morning I pray if there's a sin that has been festering and uh, for a person that they just they haven't been able to gain the victory over today, I pray they'd turn that to you. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would seek you for deliverance. And God, I pray that you'd give them that deliverance they seek. Lord, help us to walk in your spirit and not in the flesh. Lord, help us to seek you for deliverance, I pray in Jesus' name.